Good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you in this way. I would encourage if you have your Bibles close by, go ahead and grab them. You will turn. You will find Luke chapter 8. If you want to use your phone, you want to use your uh, iPad, you're welcome to do that as well. And I would also remind you, you have time uh, to invite a friend. You can message them. You can text them. You can Facebook message them. You can kind of send the link uh, from our website. But we don't want to stop this from encouraging others to join us and be a part of this experience. Now, we're in week three of our message series that we are calling Uncharted Waters. In lesson one, in week one, uh, we looked at Acts chapter 27, and we saw the Apostle Paul going through these uncharted waters and I gave you these four lifelines. If you would hold on to these lifelines, when you find yourself in unexpected places, that it would help you get through. Uh, then in week two, we looked at a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and in the Sermon on the Mount, kind of put those two together about how to survive hard times. And I gave you six tips just kind of hang on to to get through hard times. Now, this morning, uh, we're looking at unexpected storms. And I want to give you some life lessons on what it takes to get through some things that happen in our life that are unexpected. Before we turn to the scripture, uh, I just want to pray for a moment. So let's, let's pray. And if you have some folks there in the household, just kind of get to a, a calm, still place. And God, before we open your word, uh, we just still ourselves. Uh, we know, God, that when we open your word, uh, mighty things can happen. And God, there are some here even now who can see this, who can hear my voice, God, scattered all around our city, all around our nation, and God, even some in other places of the world, they have a need of a word from you in these uncertain times, in these uncharted waters. Uh, There's some individuals who need healing. has nothing to do with COVID-19, God. They just have stuff in their life. And so, God, as we open your word, I ask that you would unleash your spirit, uh, all around the globe, into every home, into every hospital, into every car, wherever someone is, and uh, they would be touched uh, by your presence. I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, four verses, uh, Luke chapter 8. Uh, let's dive in. It says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat. They set out as they had sailed. And uh, he fell asleep as they sailed. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. And it says they were in great danger. Verse 24, the disciples went and woke Jesus saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. So he gets up, rebukes the wind, the raging waters, and the storm subsides. Everything was calm. And Jesus says, where is your faith? In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Now, Jesus had just finished teaching. He gets into this boat there on this little lake. They call it the Sea of Galilee, and he wants to go over to the other side. Now, the disciples, you need to know, they had no weather app on their phone to see that storms were on the horizon. Uh, There was no sirens going off like we have in our own communities. Warning, warning, thunderstorms, thunderstorms, uh, dangerous weather approaching. Uh, There there were no these big red flags on the beach waving, letting people know dangerous waters, don't go in the water. There was none of that. I I did a little search on the National uh, Weather Service website, and I found this, this hidden little statement I thought was pretty interesting. It says, there is no place in the United States you can go where you are completely safe from severe weather. Uh, We know how true that is. 
and in like manner for our lives. Uh, there is no place in your life you can go mentally, uh, spiritually, physically, where you are not prone to experience unexpected storms. None of us, none of us uh, are spared that. I know this unexpected COVID-19 storm popped up, and uh, it's impacted the whole world. Uh, no one has been immune from the touch of the consequences of this storm. I mean, maybe some of you right here in your own life, uh, this isolation, this, this self-quarantining thing that you're having to do, this, this physical distancing, uh, it has caused uh, this, uh, this isolation of relationships that were already tense or now a little more complicated because you're together more often. Uh, maybe there was just dormant depression, uh, but the isolation has fed the beast within you, and you find yourself sinking more into poor depression in this mental health. Uh, maybe some of you have already find yourself just in trouble financially. I mean, you're concerned about the economic impact. Uh, some of you have already been laid off. You're thinking about the possibility of even filing personal bankruptcy. Uh, maybe some of you, 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 you're feeling bad and you took a test and you've not got the results of the test. Uh, maybe there's some of you, you have these symptoms and you can't get the test. But every one of us somehow, uh, we have been impacted uh, by this COVID-19 unexpected storm. Now, when this storm started to hit, and I found it impacting us all personally in the church and how we're going to function, I opened up this book, and I began to read as much as I could in this scripture all of the storm stories that were in the Bible. And I found myself just kind of captivated by these four little verses here that we just read. And little did I know that these four verses would come into play in my own personal life. Uh, in case you've never met my wife, Dallas, she and her mom, they, they run and operate a small business over in Dallas, Texas itself. Now, it's been called essential, uh, so they're still open. But because of so many other things have been impacted, the revenue stream for this little small business has kind of down to a trickle. And if you own a small business, you do know the importance of cash flow, uh, not just for payroll, which is normally your biggest expense, but it's also for the natural operations uh, <coughs> of your facility and just your entire operation. <coughs> so, hey guys, when y'all get me the water over here to my side, please, I could use the water. Thank you. Uh, so I don't have the cough. I have allergies. I mowed my yard last night. <coughs> just telling you the truth here. <coughs> so uh, Dallas, can you, can you say unexpected, right back there at the back. Thank you. You just give it to me right here. Unexpected, can you say unexpected economic storm for our family. Uh, it has hit. So uh, during the daytime now, during the week, I find myself working longer hours than ever uh, with our incredible staff. We find ourselves in all these Google meetings trying to figure out how are we going to keep the church operating when the building is closed. And man, uh, you're, you're, you need to know your church staff, they are working incredibly well and it's happening. So that's long nights, working more than ever. But on the weekends and evenings, I find myself with my wife. You know, how is she going to hold the business together? You know, how is she going to endure this economic storm? Not only impacted the Owen family, but the people who work there. And if you're a leader, you understand that. So I found myself just wrapped up in these four little verses. And here's what I'm learning. As I listen to you and I watch your post and your comments on Facebook, and I hear and I see some of the emails and texts and the messages sending me, uh, so many of us were caught unprepared for this storm. And I'm learning that people all over the world, not, not, just, not just people in the world, but even Christians say they're followers of Jesus, uh, we're not prepared to cope with unexpected storms. 
So I do want to give you three life lessons that I think will not only help you get through this storm, but will prepare you for the next one. Because here's a fact. I'm not trying to be negative, Nancy, uh, but storms come. There will be other ones, so let's get prepared. The first thing we see right here in verse 22, uh, that Jesus uh, one day comes to a point with the disciples. Uh, he said, I want to get in the boat, guys, and I want to go to the other side. Now, the other side is this place called the Decapolis. Say Decapolis. Say it with me. Decapolis. Uh, that is the number for 10. Deca is 10. And there were these 10 Greek pagan cities on the other side of the lake, and that's where Jesus is going. Now, I know exactly what's happening. Uh, good little Jewish boys and good little Jewish girls, they don't go to that place. Uh, they don't. But Jesus, being the great teacher, says, I'm going to take you over there, and I'm going to teach you a lesson or two. Now, when you get the feeling what they're ha what's happening within them in the boat, it's kind of like you're a teenager, or you were a teenager, right, for some of you a long time ago, and your parents said, don't go over to their house. Don't go over to X. Don't go over to a place Y. And they give all these reasons why. You okay, 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 put the fear of God in you. And you hang out with your friends or your peers, and they say the first thing, hey, let's go over to X house or to Y place. And you're going, no, no, no. But you're not going to be the dude or the gal that says, man, my parents said I can't go. And so you go, but you go kind of reluctant with a little dread. Oh, no, I hope something bad doesn't happen. So that's the disciples that are in the boat. So they get in the boat, and they go on the lake, and all of a sudden, uh, the wind picks up, the waves pick up, there's thunder, there's lightning, there's storm, there's raging water into the boat, and a high state of alarm. Now, for a little bit of point of re a teaching reference, uh, the Sea of Galilee, if you ever go with us to Israel, and man, I'm still hoping we get to do that again sometime, uh, you will find that it is 700 feet below sea level. And it's surrounded by this mountain range on, the, on all sides except the south. And these mountain ranges have these steep cliffs. And so what happens is the north wind, the cool front, kind of comes over the mountains from the north. It sweeps down, sucked down by the water. And you got the opening on the south. And it creates this pressure system where the squall picks up. And the, the, uh, the uh, Jewish folks here, these disciples, they're feeling the brunt of that storm. Hey, first thing in your sermon notes, here's what I want you to get. Number one, if you, you do it online, you can find it on our app. Or you can kind of even uh, go to the website. And you can download them to a PDF file, or you can just write this out. Here it comes. Uh, when unexpected storms comes, they come even when Jesus is in the boat. I mean, I mean, Jesus is right there in the boat of your life, and an unexpected storm can come up. But what do you and I do? Most of us, when a storm pops up, we go, man, what did I do wrong? Uh, why is this happening? Uh, what caused this? Uh, who did something they shouldn't have done? Why is this happening to me? It's like we did something to cause this. Uh, listen, I want you to hear this. Unexpected storms happen even when Jesus is in the boat. You can be doing everything right and wrong can show up. And it has nothing to do with you. I mean, here's Jesus right there in the boat with the disciples. But there's someone else in the boat. And I think it's that spirit of the evil one. And he's kind of putting this little white lie, this little lie that's been put in people's minds and hearts. And I will tell you for centuries, uh, it's been put in the hearts of pastors and in the hearts of churches and denominations. And here's that little white lie, this little lie that kind of seeps in when things go, man, 
I must have done something wrong. I did something wrong, so that's why this is happening. Or someone in the family did something wrong. Ah! And we put the blame there. Uh, this past year, I find myself sitting down with a young man, a real young man, whose father had died. Uh, and his dad had died a couple of years ago. But the young man's grief was just like it was yesterday. And listen, grief, it lasts a long time. In fact, the truth is, some grief, it never goes away. It can get better, uh, but it may never go away. You just find a way to adapt to it. But this young man, two years, and he wasn't adapting. And I thought there was something more, so I pushed him and pushed him, pushed him a little bit harder, and finally he told me. He said, Pastor, uh, my dad died because of me. I said, man, that's impossible. Your dad died because he had cancer. He said, yeah, I know. But he got the cancer because I was addicted to pornography. I said, no, man, that is not true. You're not responsible for that storm that's coming to your family's life. And you're right there saying, man, you're right, Pastor. That is not true. But so many of us, down deep, that's where we go because we have embedded within us this little belief system. That is a lie. That if there's something bad going in your life, that you did something wrong or you deserve it. And that's not true. That's not who your good, good father is. That's not how, what he desires for you. That's not what his life is planned for you. So that begs the age-old question. And the question is, then why? Why do bad things happen to good, innocent people all around the world? Hey, that's the ancient question. Uh, and it's a pretty good question. Uh, it's, it's so good. I'm thinking about after Easter, uh, we'll probably have a, two or three more weeks here of this unexpected uh, storm or uncharted water series. And we may just kind of set a whole one side to, to deal with that. Uh, but for now, just kind of put it aside. Uh, there are just some things that happen in this world because of the free, collective free will of humanity that sets into motion things that just bad things happen to good people. But it's not because you did something wrong or somebody else did something wrong. But for some other reason, we like to do that. We just, in our mind, we got to blame somebody. Somebody's at fault. Somebody responsible. And sometimes we're going to blame God. Listen. God is not to blame that your father left you when you were two. It was not a part of God's plan that that man abused you. It wasn't a part of God's plan that he be a workaholic and him not show up when you need him the most at your games or when stuff was going on. Don't blame God. Don't blame God that your mother was a closet alcoholic. Don't blame God that your mother withheld affection from you when nobody else could see she wouldn't give it to you. Don't blame your mother. Don't blame God that she was judgmental and critical and had her finger on you all the time. Don't blame God. And don't blame God for COVID-19. Some folks say, oh, my God, God has unleashed COVID-19 to punish us. No, that is not who our God is. Now, I would tell you, if you need to blame someone, God says, hey, you want to blame me? You can blame me. I got big enough shoulders. The Isaiah and the Psalms are full of passage where people crank shirt their fist at God. If you need to do that, you can. And God says, bring it on. But God says also this, I'm in the boat with you. I've got this. I'm with you. 
And some of you say, well, Pastor, uh, you're repeating yourself. <laughs> you told us and, and that in week one of Uncharted Waters. You told us that in week two. And now you're telling us again, we already know this. Oh, yeah, I know you say that. And some of you know it up here, but you don't know it in here. You know it here, but you don't know it here. And the reason I know that is you still find yourself sinking into the spiral of this abyss of anxiety and worry and pressure and nervousness and not sleeping and tossing and turning. And I will tell you, I will know, I will know when it's in here. When you have this confidence that Jesus is in the boat and he's got this. So we see that's what happens. Jesus is in the boat. He says he's got this. We're going to take care of this. And there in verse 24, 23 and 24, they're moving across the lake. The storm's with to get close to the other side. Uh, the water's building. There's everything up. And it's about to sink. They're going to drown. And they kind of go, ah, we need to wake up Jesus. He will know what to do. Hey, time out here for a second. Uh, anybody in your house, kind of like in our house, that you have someone in the house who... Uh, <laughs> Who can sleep through anything? I mean, there's lightning, crack, crack, crack. There's thunder, rolling, rolling. The, the rain is blowing the wind against the windows, and they don't even make a rollover or a peep. They just sink into a deep. Uh, uh, that's me. I know that it perturbs my wife, but that's just the way it is, right? Here's Jesus. I mean, he's just sound asleep, not even budging. They kind of shake him, find Jesus, Jesus, you got to wake up. Jesus kind of wakes up. I can picture kind of stretching. And I can, the scripture doesn't say this. I can see picture him saying, hey, guys, you got a cup of coffee? You know, like I need some coffee. Oh, I'm just taking a nap, you know. And they're kind of seeing everything. He walks up to the front of the boat, raises up his hands, looks at everything. And it's kind of like he says, okay, wind and waves, be still and know that I am God. water becomes as slick as glass, just as calm as it could be. And they go, whoa, whoa, look at it. Who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And then what does Jesus do? He turns to them there in verse 25. I have this underline in my Bible, and he says, where is your faith? When storms come, uh, when you get hit, unexpected storm out of nowhere, it'll become a litmus test for where you place your trust, for where you put your faith. Hey, listen, when you were pushed to the edge, when, when, when the pressure pushes you to the max over to the edge, let me ask you, where do you run? Uh, where do you turn? Because where you run and where you turn reveals where you put your faith, where you put your trust. And I want you to hear this, parents, leaders of an organization, teams, families, business, organizations, whatever it will be, when there are unexpected storms, you are being tested. And you got to make a choice here in your notes. Here, here's the equation I want to give you. Uh, storm number two. Here's the life lesson. Storms, you have a choice of reacting or responding. Storm plus reaction or response equals in result. Storm 
plus your reaction or your response equals the end result. Let me put it another way. Let me put it another way. Storm plus reaction equals, this is not in your notes, it's not going to be on the screen, equals increased storm volatility or intensity. But storm plus the right response equals decreased storm intensity. Now, here's what happens to most of us. Storm sweeps in, and we react. Our emotions go to the top. Oh, no, oh, no, panic. What did I do wrong? Why did they do wrong? Why did my boss do that? Oh, falling apart, blah, blah. You just instantly push the button, the red button, and you redline out, and you react. See, people doing it all over the world right now with this COVID-19. And they start trying to control the outcome. And they react and say, I got to control this. I got to fix 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 this. Listen, you didn't cause the storm. You can't control the storm. And people who react are trying to control every little thing. And when you control every little thing, you make matters worse. The only thing you can control is your choice to react or respond. You can't even control somebody else's reaction or response to your response. Did you follow that? All you can control and all you can control only. Are you going to react? Are you going to respond collaboratively? Think through the situation. I want to say it again, leaders, parents, coaches, and teachers. Right now, you have an opportunity to model what it looks like to lead and to lead well and to respond and solution find collaborative to push through the storm. Uh, so back in 2008, in the Great Recession, uh, there was this car lot in Southern California. Man, they were tanking. They were taking fast. They were going to have a hard time making it. So the general manager pulls everybody together. He said, hey, listen, guys, uh, you did not cause, we did not cause this economic tsunami. It, we, you did nothing wrong. Uh, but here it is. But now we got to figure out how we're going to respond. Uh, because here's the deal. If we don't have a good response you're losing a job, you're losing a job, you're losing a job, you're lo I'm losing my job. So what we're going to, they all got together as a teamwork, just like your church staff has been doing every day almost, it seems like this has happened. And what are we going to do? How are we going to handle it? Brainstorming ideas. So here, one guy had this idea, and here it was. Hey, let's go get the largest car haulers you can find, as many as we can find, and load up all the new cars on the car haulers. Nobody's coming to the lot. Let's take the cars to them wherever people are. So <laughs> they just loaded up those cars and got out thinking outside the box and took those to malls and to fame for, to places where people were congregating for eating. And people would come back, back the cars off, and they'd say, hey, listen, go take this car, go drive this car, go drive this car, go drive this car. they say, we're taking a survey on how these, take it for two or three hours, just enjoy yourself and come back and tell us uh, how you liked it and what was wrong with it and kind of give, give us a survey. And uh, we all know people like to get in new cars. And all of a sudden, these people who had no interest in cars are leasing and buying cars. And this thing shot, and it rescued and saved 
that organization in a very rough economic time. So let me ask you, uh, in times of adversity, uh, what are you doing? Are you reacting? Or are you responding and getting a different result on the other end? Uh, just kind of take you back to last week. You know, I think this is what we do, right? Uh, this is your life. This is your life. And this is you. I mean, you're right here in the middle. Uh, this is you. Yeah, that's a peace sign. This is you. And so many of you, you react, right? And this storm comes and hits your life. And you panic and you run to your little corner and you isolate yourself. And you start doing the blaming and the shaming. Oh, woe is me. You panic. You're depressed. You pull up the covers. The sky is falling. Oh, oh. and that's your just natural reaction. Uh, some of your natural reaction is to run to this corner and you start blaming and shaming. Oh, you're going to blame the Democrats. You're going to blame the Republicans. You're going to blame the Chinese. You're going to blame some. Your boss, the economy, the people making all these decisions. And man, you're focusing on that. And then there's some of you, you go down into this corner and you start medicating. All you do, man, you're just, you're just sitting there at home, just binging on Netflix. Show after show after show after show. You're eating and eating and eating. Whatever your drug of choice, whatever your medication is, I mean, you're doing it. You are reacting. Then there's some of you choose to respond. And when you respond, you do what the disciples of Jesus did, and you come down here to where Jesus is, and you wake Jesus up because he's in the boat. And you ask him to lead and take charge, and you get reconnected into community. Community. Because there you find strength among one another. Physical distancing, yes, but do not isolate yourself. You connect with others. You connect with others. So, so that's kind of where we are, and I kind of got to this point in my, my, my message prep. I don't mind telling you, and uh, I kind of was stuck. And uh, what I want you to notice about the scriptures here, I mean, years ago, you had these 66 books in the Bible, and someone says, that's kind of hard to read. And then they said, I tell you what, it's divided up into chapters. And then someone said, hey, let's divide it up into little subheadings. And so you look at your Bible, all these subheadings, and we just read a subheading, four little verses, Jesus calms a storm. And that seems that's all there is. So I woke up last Wednesday morning, and I just found myself uh, wrestling with this text and thinking about you. And the Holy Spirit nudged me and said, Rick, I want you to get up and come into the church uh, because I've been self-quarantining at home. So I got up early. I came into church, snuck in the back door. And I just found myself compelled to go sit in the chairs where you sit. I sat in the, in the sanctuary. And I just kind of pictured everyone who worships there at 815. Uh, I thought about your lives and the stories that we have been through over time. And I just kind of walked the pews. Then I came over into the ark and I did the same. And I just kind of, I could picture your faces. I could picture your family. I could picture your children. I just kind of got in touch with what is going on in your life. And the more I did that, I, kind of, I kept asking God the question, God, there's got to be more in this text. These people need more than this. Uh, these, I love, these, I love the, these, our church family. And God, these people that are watching all over the world that have come to call Pathway their church home from a distance, from, from Iowa, from Florida, from, from Denmark, and from all over the world, God, I'm going, really, God, there's got to be more. And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me something. Uh, Rick, I, I want you to read beyond the storm. Uh, look at what's on the other side of the storm. So that's exactly what I did. So I opened up the scriptures, and I kept reading, and I picked up there. And you know what happens when they get to the other side. When they get to the other side, <laughs> in the very next section, they're greeted there by an outcast. Uh, they called him a demoniac. 
today we would say he has some mental health issues and they didn't have any mental health hospitals or, or places for him to go. So the community, they tied him up to a tombstone out in the cemetery and left him there hoping maybe he'll die soon, but he didn't. Uh, but he found himself with cuts all over his body and he's naked. And the scripture says he's filled with demons. And then when Jesus comes up to the shore, that's who they're greeted by. And when the demoniac sees Jesus, he says, oh, Jesus, don't hurt me. Now stop right there. I think this is fascinating. You know, the disciples have Jesus in the boat and he calms the wind and the waves. And they say, who is this guy? Who does that? But the demons recognized him. And they said, Jesus, don't hurt us. Don't do anything wrong with us. Oh, will you please just let us go into these pigs over here? Now on the other side of the cemetery, there was this pig herder. He had some 2,000 pigs. Hey, take a little time out. I've noticed how many of you are walking in your neighborhoods, walking your dogs and your pets and your kids and everything is awesome to see. Uh, can you picture you're walking your pets and all of a sudden uh, this pig herder comes walking his 2,000 pigs down your street, right? He just walking his pigs. And, and that's kind of what the pig herder was doing. He's walking his pigs. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, yeah, okay. And all of a sudden, the pigs, they leave. Uh, the demons, they leave the man going to these pigs. And the pigs kind of start go berserk, and they head for this cliff and go over the cliff and into the water, and they die. And then the pig herder goes, what did I do wrong, right? What did I do wrong? I just had a storm. Oh, my gosh. And he gets all upset, runs into town. And I picture him saying something like this. Hey, guys, uh, literally, we lost our bacon. I lost my bacon, my profession, my opportunity, and you lost your bacon. No bacon. They say, really? What happened? Yeah, there was this teacher dude. He came from the other side of the lake. And you know that guy we put out there and tied him to that tombstone? He healed him. He set those demons free. They went into my pigs. They're gone. But this guy, he's clothed. He's not naked. There's no cuts. He's in his right mind. No, really, really. Let's go see. So they go to the cemetery. And there he is. And this naked guy is well-dressed. And all the scars and the wounds are gone. And he is in his right mind. And that scares the community to death. And they go to Jesus and say, hey, listen, man, would you just go back to where you came from? <laughs> and so he, he gets in the boat, and the disciples, you read the text, they get in the boat, and they're going to go back. And then the guy that was healed, the outcast, you know what he does? He goes to Jesus, and he says, hey, Jesus, he said, uh, can I go with you? And Jesus says, no, uh, you can't go with me. That would be the safe thing for you to do. He said, I want you to go back to those 10 towns. I want you to walk the streets, and I want you to tell everybody what God did for you, that God delivered you and set you free. And so that's what he did. Jesus gets back in the boat. They go back to the other side. And when you read the text, he's greeted there by a crowd of people. 4,000, 5,000 people. The scripture says right there in verse 40, they were expecting him. Why were they expecting him? Because the news spread. This guy that was out of his mind, who had this crazy storm of demons just within his soul that was eating him up, had gone and told everybody. And the news had spread all around the lake of what only God had done. And people were there waiting to receive again what God would share with them. But think about it. The disciples, when they first got in the boat, uh, they said, man, we, we shouldn't be going over there. Then the storm comes up. They go, man, can't we just go back to where things are safe and normal? Can't we do that? And if they would have done that, 
they would have missed out on the greatest redemption stories the world has ever known or experienced. Now, here's the truth. I want to pause here. Here's the truth before I give you your last little thing right here before I give you the, the SOS. Here's the truth. Um, we love the harbor life. Uh, we really do. Here, right here, here's a picture of a harbor. I mean, we love harbors, right? It's a man-made harbor. Uh, we love to go to these beautiful little harbors. Uh, we can lock, walk along the dock. You can get your little food. You can have a little snack. You can get a souvenir. It's very calm and peaceful. It feels like you're on the water, but not really on the water, right? You're not out there in the seas and everything. Um, uh, you probably have heard this quote. Uh, Boats, ships are not made for the harbor. They're made for the open sea. In your notes, number three, here's the third lesson. Disciples of Jesus, they leave their harbor, they push through storms, and they share their faith adventures when they get to the other side. Now, here's the temptation. You get out there in the water and there's a storm and the temptation is... Man, I got to get back to where it's safe. I want to get back to where it's comfortable. I got to get back to where I want to be. But the invitation of Jesus is to go through the storm. It is to push and press through and to get to the other side. Because on the other side, there's faith adventures and stories to share of what God has done. Uh, the, the Roman emperor Marcus Aurelius has this little quote like this. It says, the, the impediment to action advances action. Let me repeat that. The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. From a great little book called The Obstacle is the Way. That the obstacle that's in front of you actually becomes what God is going to use to get you to the other side and take you into an adventure that is bigger than anything you can dream or imagine. But most of us, we just want to go back to the harbor and get the word safe and to get the word still. But I want to tell you this. God wants to redeem every fearful every broken, every worried place within your being. And he can't and he won't do it when you're in the harbor. you got to get out on the ocean, on the sea where the storms actually exist. Uh, some 21, 20 years ago, uh, we had this layperson on a leadership team here in the church that I was primarily responsible for. And this person just really graded, it was really just kind of all in water. And they would kind of have a temper, and they would explode, and they would, and boy, when they kind of got that way, got red-faced and kind of very controlling, it brought up some bad memories of someone who years ago had betrayed me and hurt me. And so I about decided this person needed to step back off the team. So I tell my mentor about this, and about this person, and that I needed to get them off the team. And my mentor said, well, why are you going to do that, you know? Um, how good and gracious is our God? I said, what are you talking about, how good and gracious is our God? <laughs> how good and gracious is our God that God is not going to let any broken place where we're afraid, where we're intimidated, where we're scared, where we're just kind of in pieces without it being redeemed and healed. And I said, I don't get what you're saying. And here's really what he was saying. He said, Rick, if you let this guy off the team, you're going back to your harbor." But if you keep him on the team and you fight through it with him, you're going to find out he's not the issue. The issue is what's going on inside of you. And God will redeem it 
and God will heal it, but it's not going to happen if you play it safe and you go back to the harbor. Maybe you're an addict. You name it. Maybe you have some sort of addiction. You can't shake it. And then you decide to try, and every time you try, the storm gets intense. The detox, whatever, it gets intense, and it gets so much, oh, so overwhelming, you just gravitate and go back to your harbor because you know what? Your addiction has become your harbor. That's your safe place. But unless you push through the storm of the detox and push through what's going on within you, you're never going to get to the other side and experience healing. You're just going to stay in this state of dysfunction. Maybe you're in a marriage, and it's stuck. And you know it's stuck. He knows it sucks. She knows it sucks. You're blaming him. She's blaming you. Whatever you want to do with it. And, uh, but every time you try to deal with it, the storm gets so intense, you start fighting and nitpicking and blaming and shaming. And it's just too much. You give up and you back up. And you just continue to live in this dysfunction. Just tolerating this misery that you are both are in. And all of a sudden, your dysfunction has become your harbor. And until you get willing to leave that harbor and to push through what's going on in your life, God will never have the chance to redeem and heal you and get you onto the other side. You're not made for the harbor. You're made for the open seas. Amen. when you read the text, that after they get back and all this crowd is there and Jesus heals, he sends out those 12. He sends them out in chapter 9. And he says, I don't want you to take anything with you. I want you to just depend and trust in me. And I want you to go and to heal people and to set people free from demons just like what you saw. I want you to go be the bright light in a dark world. And so they went. But they never would have been equipped and prepared to do that. If we'd on that sea and the storm got mighty, if they would have quit and bailed or gone back to the harbor, they would not have been ready to be used by God in a mighty way like that. And church, I'm just saying, there are some of you. There are some of you. How do you respond when storms come? Do you run back to the safe place? Or are you willing to God to take you through? To adventures of faith where you can share the mighty things that God has done in your life. And I'm just afraid that some of you in this COVID-19, you're missing the opportunity. Our almighty God is right in the middle of the storm, redeeming and changing. And some of you are missing it because you're just in your harbor. And when you miss out and you're not seeing what your family misses out. And when your family misses out, the community misses out. And when the community misses out, your church misses out. And when the church misses out, the kingdom of God misses out. You gotta get engaged in the storm and push through and allow God to heal you and redeem this moment. And you have a faith adventure. Stories of faith, when we get on the other side of this, stories of faith that so many people will come to Christ and they will know that God is with them in any and every circumstance. Now, there's some of you here, uh, before I give you the SOS, there's some of you here, I'm, I just want to be nice to you, uh, some of you left the harbor, uh, you pushed through a storm, and you got to the other side. Uh, but the other side has become your harbor. You've gotten comfortable. Uh, you're all safe. You're just there drinking your little latte, your little wine. You got your little popcorn. Life is good. You're just oblivious to everything going on in the world as long as everything is okay with you and your little harbor. 
And if I ask you, when was your last faith adventure? You'll say, oh, it was 2019, or oh, maybe even 2018, or 2017, 2000. If that is you, church, I'm going to tell you something. That's too long. And the question I have to ask you is, where is your faith? And so the invitation to you is to get back on the water, to go deep with Jesus. Allow the baptismal waters of the storm to wash over you again and to remind you of God's amazing grace and God's amazing power and for God to take you to another side and you can tell stories of what God has done as you've gotten involved in the messy world of other people's lives. And then when you get to the other side, you go back on the water again. And you birth yourself, you immerse yourself in the waters of Jesus and his faith, and you hold on to faith. And God will use you in a mighty way. He will. He will. But you've got to press through the storm and hold on to your faith. Now, I know some of you are questioning, how do I respond? And so I just want to give you a little SOS, right? When you're out on the uncharted waters or a storm comes, and you go, SOS, SOS, so... I want to kind of help you, some of you, kind of make it very practical, very simple to help you how to respond. And here's letter S in this SOS. S is that you got to surrender. you got to surrender control. Stop trying to control everybody around you. Stop trying to control the news. Stop trying to work around the facts of what's going on in this storm. Just surrender control to Jesus Christ. Just kind of come clean. You know, Jesus, I can't do this by myself. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm failing miserably. Uh, Maybe for the very first time, some of you, uh, maybe you've just been tuning in and watching and you just got involved here and you're even wondering who this God is thing, who Jesus is. You just say, you know what, Jesus, I just want to surrender to let you be in my boat and be in charge of this, and I, and I will follow your leadership and the nudges of your Holy Spirit. I surrender control to you. Letter O is you got to own your storm, own my storm. Uh, in other words, stop blaming. If you got an addiction, own it. Hey, it's my addiction. If you lost your job or you're in some economic crisis, don't blame it on the government. Don't blame it on everybody else. Just own it. you got to own your stuff. Own your grief. Own your pain. Own whatever you're experiencing. It is mine. I own it, God. I just surrender to you, God, and I own it. I don't put it on anybody else, God. This is my life, my pain, my, my family, and I, I own it, God. Show me how to lead my family well in this season and stop blaming and shaming everybody else, God. I want to own it. And here's the last one. Uh, you got to steer to the other side. Say it again. You got to steer to the other side. Stop trying to go back. Stop trying to go around and dodge it. Just look that sucker right in the face say the Lord is with me 
and I'm going to respond the best that I can knowing that God will get me on the other side. I can't control the outcome. I don't know exactly how things are going to turn out. I don't know how my school is going to turn out. My job, my finances, my marriage, my family, this addiction, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I know that God is with me and he can redeem it and heal me. And I'm steering to the other side. And if you will do that, there's going to come a point where God's going to use you to share some stories. <laughs> it's going to change the world. But for that to happen, you've got to get peace and a wellness in your soul that God is in the boat with you. So this is how we're going to close. We're going to kind of sing this song. You know it, traditional, contemporary, you know it. Sing it as your prayer. Sing it as your prayer. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea. Oh
sing it with us wherever you are. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. One more time. best you can there in your household, especially if there's kids there. I know it can be tough. Just kind of stay in that moment just for a kid. If you have a child in your lap, just kind of pull them tight. I'll, allow your, your children uh, to feel the calmness in your soul. Uh, parents, you do know. As you go, your kids go. And they need to know by the feel of your heart, the steady beat of your spirit that it's going to be okay. And all the chaos and all the disruption, then you look into your eyes, you'll be able to see that Jesus is in the boat of your family. And I'd remind you, uh, we got people there that will stay with you, whether it's on the webpage or on Facebook, to pray with you. You just need to kind of say, just, hey, man, I need prayer. And just put it there. And people start praying with you if you need it right now. Just put it out, whatever it is. Don't linger and pray with you. God, now as we close this worship time together, again, I pray for your Holy Spirit to be just sent out across the world into every home, uh, not just of every home that are participating in this worship, God, but every live stream worship around the world, God, that they'd be touched with a peace that passes all understanding, that in this time of economic uncertainty and even health uncertainty, God, and all the shakings of our education and how we function in God, that you've got this. God on the other side. <laughs> if we stick with you, uh, you're going to use us to reach the world for you and to know that you are the peace in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I'm praying for you. Please pray for us. I will see you online next weekend. Bye.